Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another incredible episode of For the Love of Money. And I am so excited to sit down today because I get to speak to MC Lobsher. Now, most of you have probably crossed his path as the cash flow ninja. He's literally one of the foremost experts out there right now as to how to create massive cash flow in this, quote, new economy, as he talks about. Now, before we get into the interview, I do want to remind you that my Elite Business Mastermind for 2018 is almost filled up. Matter of fact, we've had so many incredible applications from all of you that I am so grateful for, but it is my mission to make sure that I get the 20 greatest, most motivated, fantastic individuals in that room for 2018 so that everybody will pitch in to grow each other's business. So if you have a traditional business online or offline and you are making multiple six figures and this is the year that you are ready to break through to seven, then this is probably for you. Go to fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Again, that is fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash mastermind. Check out the video there. Talks all about it. Check out what's included. And if it resonates with you, fill out the application. I can't wait to see who gets the last few spots of this very special room that I'm putting together. Now get really excited for this interview with MC because I mean, this guy's brilliant when it comes to cash flow, when it comes to interviewing other incredible people on his show, the cash flow ninja, he's got it on lockdown. So you're going to learn a lot today. And I think you're going to come away unapologetic and excited about your opportunity to make more money. I think there's a couple of good wake up calls in this interview. You know, he shares the lessons that he learned coming here as an immigrant in 2001 from South Africa and succeeding at the level that he is today. Also, he shares the lessons that he learned that translate to business while he was a pro rugby player. There's some really important stuff in there that translates into how you will succeed today in your business. He talks about what this new economy is and how to succeed in it and where your cash flow should be coming from and also where you should be putting it. And then we get into where and why it is so easy to generate massive income these days. I think you're going to have some great aha moments. So, so get ready, listen up because this episode is incredible. MC, my man, I'm so grateful to have you on today. How you doing? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor to be on your show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So our listeners typically love to get to know our guests before we get into all the good, juicy advice that you have. So if you don't mind, would you share with us, tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how you've become, you know, to be known as the cash flow ninja and such a well-respected wealth strategist? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I grew up in South Africa and I grew up in South Africa during a very, very interesting time in the country's history. Um, when I was still in high school, that's when President Nelson Mandela was released from prison. Uh, we had our first democratically um, election when he was elected president of the country. So 
it was a, a very, very interesting time growing up in that environment um, and uh, seeing significant change and everything and really definitely contributed to the person that I am today and the way that I definitely view, view the world and approach many, many things. Um, and then I came to the United States in about 2001 with a backpack, uh, sense of humor, sense of adventure, I think another another other suitcase there. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, I started in the United States. I played around actually in a competitive sports league here from a former rugby player uh, and uh, did, did that. How I got my start as an investor, as an, an entre entrepreneur was uh, I picked up uh, the purple book that so many people have picked up across the world. Uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad from Robert Kiyosaki. And uh, yeah, I, I got really, really uh, involved in the strategies and the mindset shifts and the concept that was taught in the book. And that's kind of when I went down the rabbit hole and tried to learn as much as I could about the different mindsets of the wealthy, how they invest and strategies and so forth. Um, purchased my first investment property in that same year. And that was uh, when my investing journey started and all the lessons that I've learned and uh, where we are at today. Um, I uh, am the, the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. So we help people build their wealth outside of Wall Street. And then also, as you mentioned, I'm the host and creator of the Cashflow Ninja podcast, where I've guests on talking about uh, everything uh, about to do with creating income streams in this new economy, in this information age, ranging from real estate, commodities, uh, now a lot of digital assets, including the crypto space, paper assets, and so forth. So it's been uh, quite a ride with a lot of different stories and learning so much from all of my guests around all these different incredible wealth building strategies that they share. I love your story. It brought up a lot of questions. And, and so the first question it brought up was this. Um, you came to 2000, you came to the U S in 2001 with, like you said, just a backpack and a sense of humor and some, some desire for adventure. And I, I love the way you phrase that. I've interviewed a few people who have immigrated to the U S and are absolutely crushing it right now in every way. And one of my favorites is, is a good friend of mine named Bedros and Bedros has this perspective that there's something called the immigrant edge where when you come to the U S You've got a little bit more of an edge, a little bit better work ethic. You know, maybe you're a little bit more hungry than the people that typically grew up here. Would you agree? And could you talk a little bit about um, an immigrant edge? Absolutely. So one of the things that I saw in the United States and a lot of immigrants see it here is the I mean, the opportunity that exists here for upward mobility is truly unmatched anywhere else in the world. <laughs> um, you, it's a country where I don't think sometimes people that grow up here uh, realize the opportunity that is in front of them. But when you're born inside the United States, uh, you can go literally from, uh, as you mentioned, a backpack, a suitcase and $500 to creating as much wealth as you possibly can because uh, there's so much enormous opportunity. So I think, Realizing this and seeing this, a lot of immigrants that come over, uh, they look at this as saying like, oh my goodness, I mean, this is basic, this is a lottery ticket, <laughs> really, where there's no one holding you back but yourself to really go after it and, and get what you want. So um, that's why I, you truly see a lot of immigrants who are really flourishing and in, in many different industries 
so I would say that, yeah, coming from, from a different uh, uh, country with a different perspective and a different worldview, and then seeing the uh, landscape in the United States and the space and the areas for opportunities. Uh, I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> there's obviously a lot of immigrants salivating when they get here uh, to get started and trying to create something for themselves and their families. You know, I love that because it reminds people that anything can be achieved. And it also requires that people look in the mirror and say, am I trying hard enough? Like, am I trying with that edge that others have when they come here and have nothing to nowhere to go but up? So I, I just love the example that that sets. So what did you learn about money and or succeeding in business from your years of being a pro rugby player? You know, that, that's a great question. Um, I think one of, the, one of the things out there that, that I always uh, did while playing rugby that translated directly into business and especially building, building and creating wealth is the modeling technique. So when you uh, come from a sports background, I mean, what you did was study a ton, a ton of tape and look at the best players out there in your position or players that you're playing against against and you studied everything from what they ate to how many times they work out to how they recovery to how many hours they sleep i mean you really get into into it um if you if you want to succeed in in, in that sport of studying what the players do because because as tony robbins said i mean success leaves clues right there's a blueprint out there and it is in in, in every single sport so that same modeling technique I kind of took over when it came to a business and trying to network and study what the successful people that have already amassed a lot of wealth have done um, and kind of follow uh, the techniques and the principles that they do. And the same thing with wealth building, um, looking at what these, uh, as I call them, the money masters, what they do uh, out there, what is kind of the similarities that they have, the things that they have in common uh, and what they actually do with their money. Because one thing that has amazed me from a money standpoint is there's truly a very, very small percentage of people that are building uh, sustainable recession proof legacy wealth and families can do certain families do so over generations. Right. But why are the majority of people then following the advice that the 99% of people are following that are not creating sustainable recession-proof wealth and are actually struggling financially, to be honest. So that was one of the things that always stood out to me. Uh, so, and again, from my years of growing up in South Africa, you always question everything. Um, that was one of the things that I learned from a very, very young age is to absolutely question everything. There's more than, you know, uh, three sides of the story, right? Heads, tails, and the edge of, of everything. So, um, yeah, and so that, that was some of the things that stood out initially, and that was some of my approach and some of the lessons that I learned uh, as an athlete, which translated into the business space and into wealth management. MC, you just answered the question with a brilliant question itself, and that is, why do people overwhelmingly tend to take advice and listen to the 99% that seem to be struggling instead of tapping into the 1% that are absolutely crushing it when, when we live in a time where every single tip, every piece of advice, every secret to success is out there in mass from podcasts to free e-courses to seminars to you could literally build an entrepreneur education for free. 
So why do you think people keep tapping into the wrong answers and the wrong resources? I think it's still the the mindset, which is you talk a lot about that and put out amazing con, uh, content. Uh, the mindset really is we're still stuck. And this is basically the education system that we have currently. We're still stuck in a, in a broken education system that is not preparing us for the world that, that's out there. And that's still teaching us uh, basically these, these habits and certain behaviors uh, that was relevant and could have possibly positioned you to, to be successful in uh, the industrial age, right? Um, but we're no longer a job economy. We're a complete skills economy. And I think that people go to schools, um, they, 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 they go to school, they go to the universities, they try to get a good job, they go into corporate America, they don't follow really anything outside, but give your money to then over to, to Wall Street through these, their qualified retirement plans and so forth. And nobody see, it really stops for a moment to think, you know, is this really, wait a second, let's just take, take a stop back, right? As George Carlin always used to say, nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. The world has changed, things are mo moving at a blistering speed. There's so much information out there, anything you, that you need to know um, regarding entrepreneurship, businesses, wealth creation and wealth preservation, and even multiplying your wealth. Um, there's so many uh, secrets that are no longer secrets anymore. There's family offices, which used to really be uh, preserved for the ultra wealthy. There's, there's books out there uh, and information on Google on, on family offices. So, and these are strategies within those offices that the wealthiest individuals and families do. So, as you mentioned, it's truly all out there. You just have to go and do the research and put some time into it to, to look at it. Amen. It's all out there. Put the, put the time in and, and all your answers are right there. Now, you talk a lot about this thing called the new economy. Would you mind catching everybody up to what the new economy is? Yeah. So the new economy, just to take it back to the education system that we, that we currently have, uh, is still the, based on the Prussian model, which was basically engineered to, to get good factory workers and good soldiers uh, back from uh, when, there was a, when there was a lot of wars. Um, that's why you literally still have bells ringing in schools telling people when they can t go take a lunch or get up from their seats and change classrooms and so forth. So the new economy, and that was for the, for the industrial age too, the new economy, we're in the information age. The speed uh, of change is so rapid. We have countries right now, literally, uh, at the time of recording, I mean, you just look what happened in uh, the neighboring country of where I grew up in, in South Africa, Zimbabwe. That kind of happened within a week, right, of, of, of another coup that was there. Things are changing at every single level, whether it's in, in the environment that you're in, whether it's politically, whether it's business, whether it's technology. Uh, at the time of recording, you know, the crypto space is all over the news, right? Just rapid uh, speed. Um, and it's also no longer a jobs economy. So the new economy, when I talk about the new economy, we're in the information age. It's a new way of doing business. It's a new way of connecting. It's a new way of connecting with other people. And it's a new way of providing value for others. So 
the skill sets that of the previous economy and that we had of this jobs economy is not going to position you for success and to be successful in this new economy. And there's very few people, again, that have realized the opportunity that's in front of them, and they are getting ahead of this, and they are successful uh, in this new economy because they have discovered how this works and how to create value for others in this, in this new global marketplace that we are. So what's the secret? Like for all the listeners saying, okay, I, I buy into this new economy, which I hear a lot of people talking about it. So I think that is the fact. What is the secret to wealth building today? Well, as far as building wealth from a wealth management standpoint, the, the, the biggest thing I would say is to start with the mindset. And when I mean start with the mindset, it also ties into planning. Not a lot of us have a plan. We might have uh, the ability and a high income skill to provide value for others, but we don't necessarily have a wealth plan. So we have an income plan. So and that starts with sitting down and knowing exactly what it is that you want. And that has to be extremely specific of financial goals. And these are goals that are going to change monthly, that are going to change yearly, but you need to know exactly what you want. Um, and that ties into, you know, we talk about cash flow a lot and passive income uh, and income streams, because that that's one of the things you need to understand exactly what you need is for from a cash flow and an income goal, because that will be the only financial security that you will have in this new economy. There's no more the accumulation mindset of just uh, saving money, saving money, saving money and give it to someone. And then 30 to 35 years later, you know, we hope there's a mountain of money for us and then we're going to turn it into income. So there's going to be rapid changes, the feedback, because things are moving so quickly, the feedback loop has to be cut down really, really short. Cash flow is a very, very big uh, indicator of that, whether you're on the right track or not. So know exactly what you want and then know exactly why it matters and why you want that. And then who do you need to become to do that? Um, and as from a wealth management standpoint, as far as in keeping increasing your skills to provide value for others in your business, you also need to understand constantly how to keep and protect your wealth and then also how to multiply that wealth and that ties into a lot of different strategies with teams and networks uh, how to capture your wealth in certain vehicles like the very wealthy families have done whether it's insurance products whether it's real estate whether it's businesses uh, and then leverage it through more other specific wealth strategies and i'll bring up mindset again because your listeners might think, well, okay, that sounds good and good and well, well, strategies, what does that mean for me? Um, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad Poor Dad wrote about, you know, every single person really today has that we have the same amount of asset classes to invest in. And we all have a unique ability and a special skill set and a different personality or a different risk profile. So we're going to be investing in different asset classes. But there's, there's, there's ways to invest in those asset classes. You can either invest as a very, as a rich person, as he would say, or as a middle-class person or as a poor person. And that's kind of what separates them. So educate yourself on those strategies to invest like a wealthy person by having the right team around you, the right network to opportunities. Um, so I think in this new economy, things will be mo moving very, very quickly. Uh, so as I mentioned, the focus needs to absolutely be on cash flow, 
from the beginning instead of the accumulation model, which is now there's still the conventional uh, traditional, not really even traditional, but it's still the model out there. And a lot of people have found out that they they've done exactly. And I've had a lot of clients that I see that uh, this with, they've done all the right things that they were told to do. You know, they went to school, they went to university, uh, university, they got uh, graduate degrees and postgraduate degrees and stayed in corporate America and uh, maxed out their 401ks and qualified plans and all these things. And they found out towards the end of their life now, when they're ready to retire, they're still not in the position to do that. So because the environment has changed around us and they, it was based on a flawed model. It's such brilliant advice. And, and you've got an amazing podcast called The Cashflow Ninja, where people can learn a lot more about all, all of these things if they want to go more in depth. And here's the, here's the best part. You've had some really big name guests. You know, you've mentioned Robert Kiyosaki a few times. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I, I love what he teaches. Kevin Harrington, I actually got a chance to get to know him at an event I was at a past couple months ago. So out of all these really big time names, what's been some of the best advice ever given to you on your show? Yeah, I think one of the things uh, that people have spoken about is obviously your number one and greatest asset is yourself. And that ties into regardless of what, what time we were born in, right? And a lot of them have communicated this and constantly always update and increase our skill sets to be able to provide value for someone. Because just to look at it where we are today, there's so many people having so much success on social media. That wasn't around a decade or two ago. So those are new skill sets that should be up, uh, updated. The other thing, uh, the two biggest things um, that I've seen there is the equation and that I've learned from, from these cash flow ninjas that I've had the, the honor of interviewing is the equation of how to get financial capital and it's to get the mental capital in order and then combine that with relationship capital Ooh. and that's how you that's how you increase that financial capital and then back then it ties into the cash flow where now that you have that formula for financial capital we have to kind of work it backwards and it ties into again exactly be very very clear and specific what do you want? How much cash flow do you want per month? How much cash flow do you want in five years, 10 years? What are the goals? And then from there on backwards, you can work out uh, through certain investments that's aligned with your purpose and your special skill set of what return you could possibly get out of there outside of Wall Street. And then you could figure out along the way how much wealth you have to capture and leverage in order to, to get that. So that was kind of a lot of th uh, 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 the big things that I've learned about them, um, especially that uh, the financial capital formula. So uh, I always try to increase those two buckets as much as I can. I absolutely love that advice. You know, Let's say there's 20,000 people listening right now. Can all 20,000 people become financially free? As a matter of fact, let me add something to that. You teach that most people can achieve financial freedom in less than 10 years. Is it factual that all 20,000 people can? Or do you have to have some special, special skill sets or, or something? Yeah, there's a couple of things that you would need, and absolutely they, they can. The first thing is the, the education and the right education. And this isn't education with degrees hanging from your walls. This is actually the financial education that will empower you in, in this economy. And then a big part of it then is to understand what your sole purpose is and align it. Because we talk about an art and a science to it. The science is 
it's math, right? We can figure it out that from um, from the previous example, financial capital, how much, what return I can get on that to how much capital I would need to capture and leverage with that return to get that monthly income. So that's, uh, that's kind of a, uh, just the math. The, the art part is you. Um, and then the biggest thing I think, and this was for me, uh, really, truly uh, in my story too, um, you have to <laughs> you have to kiss a lot of frogs to get to the princess. And that's where a power team comes into play to absolutely know exactly where you want to go, uh, what your plans are, be crystal, crystal clear and specific. And then that team of experts to basically get, get you to that. And by what I mean by the team of experts getting you to that point is you're still in charge. You're still the leader. Um, this is still your journey and your responsibility with your uh, goals. And you're the captain of that team of, of players. These are people that you bring in, such as tax strategists, wall strategists, um, any other specific uh, uh, skill set that you need on, on board of that team, if you're in real estate, property manager, for instance, right? Um, and you're in control of that leading and guiding that team to help and, and get it to you. So, but I would say definitely the education uh, is a huge comp a component. Uh, the other, other leg of it is, is that team, but you're still at the middle of this, your mission, your vision for your life and where you want to go. I love it. Now you've brought something up a couple of times. I mean, you've just flown right past it, but I caught it and I wasn't planning on asking you about this, but I, I feel like I need to. So I'm, I'm inspired to, so I'm going to, and that is you've talked about cryptocurrency a couple of times as one of the pieces of the new economy. You know, things are moving faster than ever. Um, I would say I have an average knowledge about cryptocurrency. I, I dabble in it. Do you think it's here to stay? And is it something people should be paying attention to? I think it's definitely something that people should be t paying attention to it. I definitely am. I think uh, there's, there's two parts of this. The first part is the technology, the distributed ledger technology. It's definitely here to stay. Uh, and this is not just going to be in terms of the, the, this new quote-unquote currency or, or money, but I think it's going to change a lot of industries. Um, and this is definitely something that people should uh, look into, read up on about um, the blockchain, as it's called, distributed ledger technology. That's definitely here to stay. The money on top of that, the currency, uh, is also something that's here to stay. Now, this is in its very, very early beginnings and in infancy, just like the internet was in 19, you know, 96, 97. Uh, and just like social media was when we had MySpace, and I guess Facebook was only available at that stage at, you know, Harvard and a couple of other schools, right? So it's in its very, very infancy. So there's a lot of things that could still happen here. It's a very volatile industry, but I think the core idea around it is pretty interesting. And I think one thing that cryptocurrencies has done for people, which is amazing, is, is ha it's had people question what money is that has never before done that. Because someone would say, well, it's not backed by anything. And then you would take a step back and say, well, yeah. well <laughs> fiat money, Federal Reserve notes is not backed by anything. So what, what really, what holds this together? And it's the it's the belief that is it, val it is value because money is a medium of, of exchange and a representation of value. 
And at any given point in time, when somebody gives value to a certain asset and the marketplace agrees upon that, uh, that's, kind of, that's kind of where the value comes from, right? Through consensus. So I think that um, it's definitely made people ponder well, what is this? What is money? How, how you know? How does how does this how does this uh, how does this work? Which which has been fascinating. So, speaking of money, do you think money is good, bad, or neither, and why? Uh, I think money can be a good or bad, depend, uh, just like an axe could be uh, a good or bad, right? Or any other tool. I think it's a tool to help you. Uh, serve and provide value for a lot of people. You know, entrepreneurs know when they reinvest in their own businesses that this is a tool now to grow the business, to be able to serve more people and provide more value for people, um, to be able to help other people uh, through giving, right? Um, so it, it's definitely a, a, a tool. So I would say it is what you make of it. It's a, it's a, it's an idea truly right now. It's a representation of value. Someone provides value for for you. You exchange money with them because of the value that, that they've exchanged with you. So without money right now, you know, you heard, you heard, uh, you, well, you hear a lot of these things like it's a root of all evil and so forth. But if it's truly a representation of value and a medium of exchange, then it's not the root of anything. It's the root of what you want it to, to, to be. It's value. And if there's no money, then there's no value transaction, right? Then we'll go back to bartering. So, um, but yeah, so I would say it's just, it's whatever, it's what, what you make of it. Uh, it, it isn't in itself uh, inherently something. Why do you think people have such a hang up around money and, and such a hang up around accumulating it? And, and why do they seem to push it away? Uh, I would it's a great question. I think it's to the to, to the beliefs that they grew up with, the experiences that they had as uh, a children, young adults, uh, what they heard at the dinner table table between mom and dad or uh, any relatives or friends or family. And a lot of people that I've spoken with, because uh, I, you know, I asked them about the relationship of money, that their parents talk about money in the house. And a, a big answer that I get most of the time is, you know, I only kind of picked up stuff about money if things weren't really well in the home, if that makes sense. If there's a fight between the parents or and so forth, then money comes out. So it's not something that's talked about a lot around dinner tables. It's not something that's educated and taught in schools. Uh, so you know, when we don't know something and we truly don't really understand it, sometimes it's easier just to brush it off as being evil or no good or the people that are trying to <laughs> trying to pursue it and go after it, that there's there might be something wrong with them, right? So I think it's the lack of understanding a little bit and then the relationship and the um, experiences that they've had with it. So has it always been something you viewed as a positive tool yourself or has it been a journey to get there? It's been a journey to get there because I've also had uh, experiences where I've seen pe uh, hurt, people being hurt by it, uh, and people struggling financially. Um, and I think, uh, so it's been from, for myself too. No, it's, it's been a journey. And, um, you know, I just want to tie into, this is an, just another thought that I had when you just asked that question. Uh, that's, that's also a lot when we look at the millennial generation too. This is a generation that came up 
and saw a lot of financial pain, for instance, with their parents. Um, you know, a lot of, a couple of market crashes, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of uh, foreclosures uh, and so forth. So it definitely, I mean, these are experiences that kind of shape the worldview of, uh, of, of us collectively. And so do you think that the millennials are going to struggle a little bit more with their love of money as being a positive tool than some of the other generations? No. So one of the things that I would say about the millennials, I think that they're one of the, the, and they take a lot of flack from a lot of people. I think they're one of the most awoken or awake um, groups when it comes to money, because uh, actually a lot of my clients are millennials because they reach out and they say, I saw what mom and dad did. It didn't work. Absolutely didn't. And I don't trust, you know, the current system or the, the current, uh, financial planning system so i think a lot of them have uh, have started to question it and a lot of them are having financial success and a lot of them will create and build a lot of wealth because of that because they are going to question uh, a lot of things um not just now but moving forward because of the experiences that they had very cool now you work with you know incredibly wealthy individuals do you see a common thread of generosity and, and and if so how absolutely it's one of the, the, the pillars that I've identified uh, that they all have in common, all a, a common thread. Uh, they give, they give often. And the other thing is you don't really have to be an extremely wealthy person to start giving. You can start giving uh, today. And they give their time, they give the, uh, throughout as they're acquiring wealth, um, and then they give money back towards the end, supporting their favorite charities and supporting their favorite causes. So um, it's definitely something that's across the board um, and a, a core principle and value that they, that they all share. What role has generosity played in your success? I think that going from, I think the, the biggest thing for me is forgiving is going from the scarcity mindset to abundance um, was one of the biggest changes in my life. And it happened actually by start just starting to give, uh, even when I didn't have any money. And that was a major switch, uh, that was flipped, um, because, and it was also just through personal development and, you know, a a huge mindset switch, but immediately when that happened, uh, things started happening and turning around and more abundance came into, into my life because not only, that I see the start seeing the world differently every single day, but I actually took action. And I think that action turned into uh, that the way that you feel the way that you view the world and so forth. So that's, I think that's one of the, the big things when I think back about giving and personally giving is even when you don't have a lot to allocate a portion, uh, start and pick you know, look at something that you're passionate about that you would like to get involved with. For me, it's always been entrepreneurship uh, and helping others in in that, in that sense. So, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that could be started regardless of where you are, regardless of where you find yourself and uh, the changes, not just in your mindset, but overall in your life uh, will be incredible. Do you have an example of one of your favorite moments of giving? And and by the way, we ask everybody this question, even though sometimes it's tough to answer in order to inspire ideas of giving out there. 
Uh, you know, it's, it's like you said, it's tough to pick a, a particular one, but there, there is an organization that I've, I've worked with quite a bit now, and I've mentioned that the entrepreneurship and so forth, and um, it's called Kiwa and Kiva.org. And what it is, is, is basically supporting other entrepreneurs and small businesses all around the world. And it's not just basically just the money part of it too, but it's also uh, giving as far as um, I would say advice and coaching and, and giving some ideas and, and talking about that to them as well. Uh, it's been, it's been pretty rewarding be a part of that. So um, I would say that that's been ex extremely rewarding. And um, yeah, just as I mentioned before, the fact of just starting when, <laughs> when I really had nothing for a very small uh, is also always something that I'll remember. Uh, just a couple of quick questions for you. And I want to stay on that topic because a lot of people, when they have quote, nothing right now, they say, well, how am I supposed to give when I don't even have something myself or when I'm, you know, afraid that this is my last few dollars, how do they get over that hump? Cause you've done it. It sounds like, how do they give something away when they feel like they have nothing to give? Yeah. And the other important asset that we all have and that we all share is time. So when there's no monetary or you don't feel that you have money that you can give, I would just start by uh, looking at other places where you can add value by donating your time. If there's a cause that you're passionate about, if there's people in your community, I mean, we all talk because we do live in a global village. And we all talk about, you know, uh, a lot of other uh, donations or charitable foundations and so forth. So, uh, so forth globally, but it's really important to start right outside your house uh, within your own community. And that's, I mean, you, if you, wherever you, regardless of where you live, you know where there's a need in that community of possibly just someone lending an extra hand uh, for a couple of hours a week or a month or wherever. I would uh, suggest folks would uh, start right there. I love that. Giving your time can be a great way to start exercising the habit of giving. That's some of the best advice on the planet. So before I ask you the last question, where can people find you? Because you've got an awesome podcast and I just love what you represent and, and the information that you distribute out there. Uh, thank you so much for asking. Yeah, uh, CashflowNinja.com is a great platform. I would uh, uh, say if people want to uh, check out and your listeners want to uh, see of the different ways of some of the, how these cash flow ninjas create cash flow in this new economy and uh, sh uh, where they share their wealth strategies, CashflowNinja.com uh, would be a great way to check it out. Awesome. Last signature question. I love the different answers I get to it. Why should people be unapologetic about their pursuit of wealth and or success? That is a great question. I would say that it's very, very, if you have a special skill and if you've developed yourself and invested in yourself and you have the ability to help other people, then you should try and help as many people as possible as you you could. And right now in this, we've just sp spoken about this amazing time that we live in, you can. <laughs> it's really, truly uh, uh, amazing that across the world, there's unlimited amount of people that we can provide value for. And back to one of the things that I shared earlier, if money is a exchange of value and a representation uh, of value, um, then you want to put out as much value as there as possible. 
and that's going to come back in return. So I would say that if you're not trying to uh, provide as much value that's out there and trying to serve other people out there, the number one, that's selfish. And number two, by doing that, living your purpose, um, your sole purpose, and providing value for others, that's where you're building your wealth and living the life of your dreams uh, every day and, and your journey on success. Amen. MC, what a great answer. And all of your value that you delivered today was just fantastic. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your time and your knowledge. Chris, thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast. I had so much fun connecting. As did I. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.